It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, you guys, to Money for Lunch. Super excited that you're here, as always, because you guys make the show happen. Uh, Thank you so much for your support over the years. Today on the show, we're going to have one of our regular contributors, Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal is one of America's most trusted lawyers when it comes to things like consumer law and labor, um, employee type stuff. And before we get to that, we have a quote of the day, quote of the day um, sent in by Aaron R. Aaron R. from Park City, Utah. Thank you for sending this in. Often, when you think you're at the end of something, you're at the beginning of something else. Fred Rogers. Often, when you think you're at the end of something, you're at the beginning of something else. Again, by Fred Rogers, the one and only Fred Rogers, um, what do you call it, TV show, uh, what was it, Uh, you know, Mr. Roger Neighborhood. The guy is awesome. All right, let's jump into it today on the show being joined by Norm Blumenthal. Norm Blumenthal, an attorney for workers and consumers, selected as one of the top attorneys in Southern California. Norm was also inducted and recognized as one of America's most trusted lawyers in employment law. Norm Blumenthal is a regular contributor here on Money for Lunch. Norm, welcome back. Nice to be back, Bert. Um, Here we are. We're going to discuss today. The gig is up. The gig economy in California has uh, ended. Uh, They're going to have to participate in the economy like all the other boys and girls and companies and corporations who uh, pay taxes, uh, have withholding taxes, pay uh, workman's comp insurance, uh, pay uh, uh, sick pay, health insurance benefits. um, And so we're going to be in a position where they're not going to be able to disrupt the economy like they've been able to do in the past, but will have to uh, compete on the same footing. It's a very interesting law that just passed California AB5. The governor signed it, which incorporated what was called the uh, Dynamax ABC test, which I'm not going to let people worry about. But in all events, the um, drivers for Lyft and DoorDash and uh, Uber that uh, used to be classified as independent contractors, whereby... It, what that means is is that they work and they pay for their cars, they pay for their car insurance, they pay for their gasoline, they pay for um, uh, everything with that, and in return they receive a, a, a piece of the fare. And they work, uh, the, the time is, is their own when they work or when they don't work. Um, and that used to be in the past what was called an independent contractor. And it allowed them to do that the the problem with it is, is there's no withholding taxes, and the uh, employee or the worker, he's separately responsible for paying not only the his share of withholding taxes, um, uh, payroll taxes, but he also is responsible as his own employer to pay what's called a self-employment tax. Um, he also has no workers' compensation uh, coverage, 
Um, and then he ends up, uh, when he doesn't work, he's on food stamps and other uh, government programs that we all have to pay for. So what ends up happening is there's this large economy out there, um, kind of an underground economy, that doesn't participate in our tax system, which makes our payment of taxes, for those of us that do participate, uh, greater. And it requires us to pay more and in the end, we're supporting the um, gig economy instead of the gig economy supporting itself. Sure. Well, the, the way I see it, and I think this is the, the part that I appreciate about this, this new ruling, is that you had these companies, uh, Lyft, Uber, you, you name it, all these different companies who, first of all, Bless their their little hearts. You know they're they're going around telling people, hey, we're just a software company. You know, but but in reality, they're they're not, right? They're a ride sharing, they're a taxi type of a transportation type company. And I think that the the idea was an interest. It was a good idea, meaning, hey, I'm gonna you know I'm going to hire or uh, allow people to work for us whenever they want and, and they can work, you know, they can choose what time and how long they want to work, which is essentially a 1099 or a contractor type of, of, uh, you know, work force, if you will. However, and this is a distinction that when you're working for Uber, you really have no way of building your own business because Uber basically sets the rate. Uber sends you the customers. Uber doesn't allow you to build, to use their customers for your own purposes. In other words, they don't want you, which makes sense. They don't want you stealing their customers. So how are you an independent contractor when essentially you, you will live or die by what Uber or Lyft sends you? That, that's yeah. not an independent contractor. That's totally dependent. Am I right? You, uh, you're, now you're right. You weren't right before because the test was different. It's called the Borello test. It was an 11-part test, and we won't bore the audience with going into all the details. But the key point is, in the past, it was a question of control. So if, if the company had no control of your wages, hours, or working conditions, that essentially is, is what would pass the test and how they – were able to classify them as independent contractors. The company was scot-free. But that, that test now under AB5 that the governor signed, it's the Dynamex test, it's called, and it's a three-part test, and you have to satisfy all three. The key element of the new one is, is this the business you were in? And, and I couldn't have said it better myself. It's exactly what you said. Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and these other ride-sharing and delivery systems, they're in that business. They give you, all you do is, is answer the calls and perform the tasks, but they either allow you or don't allow you into their system, and that's how it works. So that's the business they're in. That's where the big fight's going to be, where the rubber's going to meet the road. Uber and Lyft are now in the process of, of defending themselves against AB5 in court. I don't think they have a chance, but in any event, they're going to do that. They're going to put an initiative on the ballot. But at the end of the day, what will end up happening is they'll hire people to work three hours or less a day, 
four hours or less a day, so they don't have to worry about meal breaks and rest breaks. And all they have to do is ensure they have minimum wage. So if you want to come in and say you want to work eight hours a day, you want to do ride-sharing eight hours, well, you'll work four hours for Lyft and, and four hours for Uber on however you want to break those hours up. Um, that's what you'll probably put in for, and you'll be on call during that time. I don't think the uh, consumer public is going to see any difference. I think right. it'll be I think it'll be the same thing, except for prices are going to increase. Now, everybody will say, "Well, that's a bad thing. I have to pay more." But when you think about it, in the end, you're paying less because in the end, now all of these drivers and Uber and Lyft are part of the same system that we're all in where the company's paying the uh, employer share of payroll taxes. They're taking out for workman's compensation insurance. They're taking out for unemployment insurance. They're providing other benefits that they otherwise provide to their employees to these drivers as part-time employees. So it becomes a system where, in the end, we may be paying a little bit more, but the little bit more we pay is is for the benefit of these drivers. And also, I think it gives the taxis uh, a, another shot at this in, in being a participant in the system and why they don't have um, on-call taxi services in these cities is beyond me, but maybe it's because they can't compete in the pricing, and, and this may give them a chance to do it. So in the end, there will be more cars, not less, available for us to uh, sign up for. And so it, yeah. it's, it's a it's a good thing all around. It's a fair system. The idea that they're able to uh, to rig the system so that they uh, don't have to pay taxes is, is not a good thing. And the same token as the drivers, they're lucky if in the end if they paid all these taxes and everything else, if they would even get minimum wage. Right. Well, you know what? And, and again, you know, you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur, uh, and you especially you because you're a lawyer, you're regulated. Uh, but if you're an entrepreneur, it's very difficult to compete in your space, number one. Number two, it's extremely difficult to compete in your space if somebody is able to, let's say, slash their costs because they don't have to pay taxes or they don't have to pay employee taxes or they don't have to worry about employee uh, insurance and all this other stuff, and so this 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 kind of, in my opinion, seems to uh, make it a more competitive, a more even playing field. Correct. And at the end of the day, we could very well end up with where you're you're going to go into a system, the let's call it the ABC system, for lack of a better term, and you're going to have on that system every taxi, every Uber. Every lift, everyone that's that's in that system then will be advertising on that, that app, and you can pick and choose from those. Then the price will be competitive because they're competing between themselves. So that may very well be the end, and that's truly a, um, a system where all it is is a, uh, um, a system where you sign up and go, like, for reservations for, um, uh, for restaurants, the same kind of thing. Then you pick whatever – uh, independent group or whatever restaurant you want, but it's just not fair to the, the drivers. It's not fair to the taxpayers, and it's not fair to the system the way they've disrupted it 
and they're not paying their fair share. So, and I think as goes in California, well, the rest of the country will follow. But in the end, the, the system has to be fair for everybody, not just a uh, windfall for uh, Uber or Lyft. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, uh, back to what you said, uh, it does help these drivers have a little bit more protection. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I think of uh, I've met a lot of teachers uh, who, because of the money that they earn or for the lack of money that they earn, a lot of teachers use, uh, you know, drive for Uber and Lyft. And, you know, to, to me, uh, I think it's wrong that, you know, that our teachers get paid so little that they have to that they have to have part time jobs to survive. But, you know, a lot of these part timers, you know, aren't carrying the correct insurance. And, and so um, and, and again, they're, you know, they're being mistreated. If uh, I, I know some of these teachers that if they. If they do not accept, if they turn down, I'm sorry, if they turn down one or two different rides from uh, Uber, Uber will penalize them and not mm-hmm. and and will either will will not uh, let them get as many rides uh, because they've turned down a few that were not economically feasible for them. So to me, it does help the drivers out. It it, it does, I think, protect us as consumers a little bit more. I think it is going to be a win-win all the way around. Yeah, I I do too. The only uh, losers really the um, uh, current owners of you know Lyft and Uber the the uh, stockholders, but that's the risk they take when they get involved in that system. But in any event, and and there's some carve outs for it for uh, bar, uh, you know people who um, are really independent contractors like hairdressers sure. and barbers and and doctors and lawyers and and all the the ones that are, that are professionals. And, um, you know, you're paying a, a professional charge for they're carved out from the system because they've always been independent contractors. So it that that's a good part of the system. So we'll see where it shakes out. It's going to have to go back, obviously, in the courts and they're going to have a uh, what's called referendum in California on the ballot, probably in November of next year and um, or or maybe sooner in, in, in an attempt to uh, have this law overturned, but I don't think they're going to be very successful. I think people in California are, are pretty savvy to all this. So it looks like, well, it's going and, to, and I tell you what, down. this is what's interesting. You mentioned this uh, a little while ago uh, that, um, you know, the nation is watching this case because California tends to be a leader when it comes to uh, let's say new laws um, California has always been uh, innovative in a lot of different ways. So the nation will be watching this case because, as you said, as California goes, guess what? So will the rest of the nation. And, and so I think it's going to have a lot of attention. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, California estimates they, they're losing $7 billion a year in payroll tax revenues because of this uh, gig economy that's out there. Aside from what they have to pay in food stamp and medical care, and other safety net benefits for these independent contractors, alleged independent contractors, who uh, there's there's no money to to have it because they don't pay payroll taxes. They're not in the right. system. There's no worker. They don't have workers' compensation insurance for them, and so it, it's a big problem. And uh, I think this solves it. This AB five is is a good solution to it. It may have to be tweaked a little bit, but 
it's on it's on the right track and it's on the right track you know for for the rest of the economy so it's All a right, good so thing let's, i think it's a good thing let's let's switch gears i want to talk about this thing um this is uh, kind of right up your alley uh tuesday the us department of labor announced uh, that it will make something like 1.3 million americans uh, american workers newly eligible for overtime pay talk about this yeah this is a really um this is an, was uh, started off as an obama regulation from his labor department and what it was doing was it was raising the minimum amount that one could, a company could pay somebody as a salary which would make them exempt from overtime uh, without regard to classification let's just put that aside because that hasn't changed but what it is, is is if you come in, let's take a manager, for example, and you're a uh, manager of a McDonald's in California is way over this amount, but you're a manager um, in Texas of a McDonald's. It used to be that you only had to make $16,000 a year to uh, uh, not be, um, um, to be, to be exempt from overtime wages, which was a crazy number. It hadn't changed since 2004. Uh, uh, th- no, 23000 a year, which is 2000 a month. Now it's upped it. Instead of 2000 a month, it's going to be 36000 Obama wanted to make it 47000 But if you take 36000 and you plug in all the numbers, essentially it said if you, like McDonald's or any other you know company across the country, um, if you classify somebody as a manager, um, you know, Home Depot or Costco or any of these, as a manager, now you have to pay them a minimum of basically $15 an hour um, for the 40-hour work week to, um, to ha- as pay, which will be um, the minimum so to the, for them to be exempt and work on salary. The problem with it, with the law is is that most of these managers, they work more than 40 hours a week. And the reason is, is because they're exempt from overtime. So what they'll end up doing is, is work 50 hours a week, which will then, you know, reduce the amount. But it can't go below this, this base threshold of 35568 per year or 684 a week. Up, it's up from the current of 23660 So... It's it's an improvement. It's um, kind of a Republican compromise. I'm a little surprised they did anything, but I guess the uh, handwriting was on the wall was they had to do something. So um, here we go. We'll see how it how it uh, shakes out. Um, hopefully it'll it'll be helpful, and they these people won't be working uh, too much. They can't go below minimum wage, but in, in states like Texas, you know, minimum wage is what uh, seven and a quarter or eight and a quarter. So it's it's you know they still have to double the uh, amount of hours before they get there. So this is going to be helpful. I'm pretty excited about at least getting this pass as a starting point. And they didn't do anything with these exemptions, which are management, professional, administrative. They still left the uh, same criteria for it, which is is okay. We'd like to have it tightened a little bit, but um, in any event, it's it's a starting point. So we're excited yeah. about that. You know. What's amazing is uh, th- what was the date that you said? When was this thing last updated? Uh, 2004. So we've been, you know, what, 15 years now before it um, 
Yeah. Well, look at the minimum wage. What the federal minimum wage is uh, seven and a quarter. That hasn't yeah. been up, updated for much, much longer. I mean, clearly it should be a minimum of, of $10. Right now there's some legislation in uh, Congress to update that at least to the $10 level and have it uh, work towards 15 with cost of living increases. So there's some hope that uh, we'll, we'll get that law passed in the meantime and um, and help everybody out because we need more money in the economy. You know, I just got back from uh, – Chicago, uh, I spent a week there. And I got to tell you, that economy is booming. I mean, booming. They're, they're building everything everywhere. Google's putting in a uh, location there um, for workers, and it's a big, young, vibrant city. And there's plenty of housing at very um, reasonable rates. So there, people are moving to Chicago because they can rent a place, have a job, and the economy's booming. So anybody. In California, that can't find a place to live, um, that wants a job, go to Cali- you can go to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so just just so I'm clear on this, um, so the the U.S. Department uh, of Labor announced this on Tuesday, and so for this to be ratified or, or for it to become law, or whatever the correct term is, what's the next step? There really isn't. They publish they publish it in the record in the record, and this law is to become uh, effective January first. It's pretty okay. pretty pretty much on a rocket docket, and there, I don't think there's any opposition to it. Um, I don't know why anybody would oppose it. It's a compromise between the Democratic bill and the uh, Democratic regulation when Obama was in office, and and uh, no regulation at all which is something I don't think the Labor Department was interested in since it, it had all these people working, you know, basically um, at 23000 a year and working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week. I mean, they were barely making $7 a quarter an hour for their time at work. And so that's why they couldn't keep people in these jobs. I think it was something that, the you know, the big companies needed to have to protect them from other big companies never raising the amounts. So at least that they raise the amounts, and so everybody's on the, on the same page. I think that's the point of it. So that's why the Republicans, you know, went along with it. Um, and it's just, it's it's just it is a regulation. So it, but once they get once they pass, it it stays in effect. I don't think anybody's going to be obje- objecting to this one. Right. Real, yeah. And, and again, it's it's long overdue. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, I'm excited to to have it go into effect. Um, Norm, as always, my friend, it's good to have you on the show. I appreciate you bringing, uh, uh, what do you call it, this, uh, this stuff to our attention. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this new uh, law in California, this gig economy law, it, it's going to be disruptive for them. And, and as you mentioned, they're really going to uh, fight it and, and, and do the best uh, that they can to uh, quash it. So I'm interested to see how that happens. Uh, or what happens, um, you know, as that moves forward. Yeah, we'll keep you posted. We disrupted the disruptor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? They're still, you know, the, again, Uber and Lyft are still disruptive. Uh, they've changed the way. I think, you know, I think that uh, uh, they've done a lot of good. They've, they've helped uh, consumers have more choices. Now they just have to, uh, you know, now they get to play. As you said, they get to pay their their share of the of the pie. 
You right. know, they're, they're a multi-billion-dollar company. They can they can probably eke out a couple of bucks for their drivers. Right now they're big boys, and they're going to have to play in the big boys field. No more, you know, cutting the corners and uh, having people out there working that aren't getting paid a fair share. Absolutely. Well, as always, Norm, thank you so much for stopping by. It was good. Thank you, Bert. Take care. You bet. Good stuff there from lawyer Norm Blumenthal. If you want, if you have question about worker or consumer laws, check out Norm Blumenthal at BAMLawCA.com. That's BAMLawCA.com. Um, he'll be glad to talk to you for free and point you in the right direction. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people understand what's happening with the gig economy and what's happening in 2020 with uh, the new overtime pay. A lot of people would be interested. As always, my friends, thank you so much for supporting this show. And remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.